infamous, mysterious, unstoppable Stephen Black. How are you, buddy? I'm well, man. How are you? Good. Good. It looks like you're in a different setup. Yeah, I am. I Do you am. Have a different uh, office desk. Yeah, I have a standing desk now, and and a more dedicated space to to get all of this done with more tables, more monitors, more everything. <laughs> you got, necessary. You go. Your setup is crazy. I love your other desk. <laughs> you, you still have that one that you spent all that time on, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. But it's, it's elevated now. It, it, it goes up and down and I have extra wow. lighting and microphone and all the other foolishness. So yeah. If you haven't seen Steven's desk, you know, check it out. It's probably like 30 hours into a desk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you don't know Steven, um, you're in for a treat. Uh, known steven since geez la mastermind i met him he's a big dude that does ballroom dancing so he is uh what is the word he's finessed or something i don't know what the word is but the one thing i always remember about steven i met him is he's big old biggest guy in the room because how tall are you like six four six five i'm six i'm six four two thirty yeah just just huge Then he literally had, and he probably still has it, but he, and I always give him shit every time he knows what I'm going to say. He has the biggest computer. I mean, the thing was about 26 inches <laughs> wide. <laughs> I seriously don't know if that's a metaphor, but do you literally ballroom dance? Yeah, I, I actually own two ballroom dance studios uh, in another chapter of my life. I have been dancing for a little over 20 years. Dang, that's awesome, man. I can do wow. anything. People ask me what my favorite dances are, and I always tell them anything I can do attached to the woman. Yeah. <laughs> and I, th- I see you got a new uh, girlfriend, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. She's very good, good to me. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So. Let's hop in. So, Stephen, um, I know you do a lot. I know you are big into Amazon. I'll kind of give the highlights. Big into Amazon, big into branding, huge into content. I mean, you're a, you're a content freaking machine. Um, we'll get into that when Luke's going to kind of go over some of the content and creative that you're doing. Uh, let's dive into kind of like, uh, Amazon basically. Well, first of all, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us kind of what you're into now. Maybe it's transition, but give us the, uh, Stephen Black spiel. The, uh, so I, I do things quite a bit differently than most of the people in the group. Most of the people in the group are media buyers. They want to go real heavy on Facebook ads and, I can't compete with people that are spending a million dollars a month on Facebook ads and whatnot. Um, And so everything that I do is from the the lens of customer retention. What can I do to keep them coming back for more and more and more and more? And what can I do to catch people upstream of just being ready for offers? I do a lot with with buyer psychology and, and segmenting out my audiences and matching messages to those people to help them solve their problems and maybe lean towards some of my product offerings. And so I like to build audiences with all of the brands that I work with. And I have my hand in 14 of them now that are mine. So <laughs> I, have an, I have an operation going. Yeah. Uh, so, so for me, a lot of people focus on what they're selling. You see a lot of talk in all of our space about finding the next winning product, finding the next winning product, all of that kind of thing. And I focus less on what I'm selling and first focus on to whom I am selling. Mm -hmm. Because if I can't speak their language and I don't understand the audience and why they want what they want from their point of view, I'll never be able to 
match the benefits that I'm trying to deliver with whatever product I'm selling to the needs that they're expressing online. And then I won't have any angles and very good copy either. So I always start, you know, with the audience first and trying to figure out how to match that message up. Yep. So there you go. Mm, okay. And so, so and I, I agree with a lot with you, a lot of the people in this group, um, you're one of the rare ones that is big into the psychology perspective, big into the monetization perspective. Um, tell us a little bit about um, how people in that least, because, you know, even myself, yeah. um, and I even tell people the same thing. It's like when you're talking to them about optimizations or even agencies that are onboarding, they don't really stop and think about user journey so much yeah. um, and how to really like, like basically what you've excelled at is monetizing that. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about your structure of that, like how you develop that, like what you do. Um, so, so the way, the way that I looked at it is I followed what Facebook was doing starting really early in 2019. And that's when I went real, real, real deep. I was, I was doing a lot with content before, um, and building audiences and being able to talk to them because people buy from people, people like their relationships. Okay. And you're going to convert more when you can convince people to trust you and people are going to trust you if they think that you understand why they have the problems they have, and uh, you understand why they're looking for the solutions that they're looking for. This is why when, we, when, we go to, when we're going to go look for something, if we're going to look for a software tool with all of our marketing, what do we do? We ask the group because it's a bunch of like-minded people say, hey, has anybody tried this yet? What do you think? And we trust the group's recommendation because those are people that we feel are most like us. And what did Facebook do in 2019? They switched the feed to where it was all of your groups showing first. So I was like, okay, sure. If people are going to go ahead and segment themselves, instead of worrying about, um, pardon me, instead of worrying about um, what offers they're trying to figure out and what angles and all of this kind of thing, and it comes off rather generic, instead, you can dive into any one of the focus or, or sorry, one of, any one of the Facebook groups in your space and treat that as a focus group. Mm-hmm. If you can learn to speak the language as, at a hobbyist level, now you have the perspective to say, ah, I know why you're really complaining about that, but you're not really saying that directly. Okay, do I have something that I can figure out as an angle to offer this to, to, to you know, this segment? And in doing that, now I can say, okay, maybe I have a product that will serve this, this group wonderfully in a broad sense, but now I can optimize my ad campaigns and match those with landers that attack each one of those angles very differently. And then I, and then I can, even if, even if they end up on the same product page and, and checkout process, because now I can say, okay, I can optimize and see which angle people are most jumpy about as far as taking, taking the next step and buying a product. I can have that data and actually test out those angles and you get the angles by reading the language of the people in those groups, because they're talking amongst their own enthusiasts, same as we are as marketers. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got real deep there and started mapping out everything I wanted to do. I said, okay, here's some people who may be ready for a product yet. If they're thinking about this phraseology, like in, in SEO, we do with long tail keywords, right? Those are higher intent than just 
an open search kind of thing where they're still trying to figure out what the best solution for their problem is. If I'm going to target people with that kind of angle, I know they're not ready to buy yet. So I'm just going to get them in a, in, you know, kind of like a, maybe a mini, a mini part of my site or a, a, a sequence of, of low cost ads that are just feeding them content. Or maybe I'll put them on a squeeze page, get them to my email list. And if I know they came in on a certain angle, I'll have an automated email flow offering them more of that. Mm-hmm. And then we're all, we all know Clavio. So we can take the people that are actually opening that and segment them off and make them offers based on that angle. How, how are you finding, so you talk about, you don't really look for the product. You look for the audience first. I look for the opportunity with the audience. And how, how do you define those opportunities by competition? Like how do you do your research? What are you? Sure, 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 sure. sure. Um, number one, if I, if I can't speak the language of an audience, I don't feel that I have any business trying to service their needs. Mm-hmm. Just, just how I go. Um, as an example, if I were trying to sell something, you know, as, as a pet supply to like people that keep pythons, I don't know anything about that. Maybe I saw this other product, you know, over here on Shopify or wherever, and it's doing really, really well as far as the numbers. And you can see some ads and all this kind of thing. You're like, okay, but if I can't speak their language, it's going to come off inauthentic. Mm -hmm. Now, if I can spend a few weeks in some of those Facebook groups, learning what it's like as far as animal husbandry, as far as housing, as far as all the things that go into all of that. Now I understand, okay, some of these products that I can find available, are they being offered this way? Do they have this feature that takes care of this other need? People that are complaining, they're saying, hey, you know, all this is available, but I still have these problems and it will always be that way. So what I'll do, if I have a product idea, I'll go in and I'll ask the group, hey guys, um, you know, I'm new here and people love to help new people. So I play on that one because then they, then they get to be significant amongst their peers by helping the new guy, right? It doesn't matter how long I'm in the group. So, hey guys, you know, I'm still a little new at this. Um, looking for something kind of like this, and it's maybe your competitor's product or a product that already exists, but I was wondering if, it, if you could point me in the direction of one that also had XYZ feature you're thinking about adding. And here's why I'm looking for it, the, be, the angle that you're trying to run with. And mm-hmm. you're going to get one of three answers. You're either going to get that group of people to say, hey, yeah, here's this other company. Here's the link. It kicks ass. I have three. I love it. And you're going to go, whoa, glad I didn't buy into that one. Right. Or you're going to say, or they're going to say, uh, you know, there's this, that was tried a little while ago. It, it's kind of hit and miss. It looks great. It's like leaving the dress on the mannequin. It looks great over there. But when you get it, here's what they don't really tell you. Here's where you can read more. And you go, okay, cool. Somebody already tried that. Better not waste my time or take a different angle. Or number three, somebody's going to say, oh, oh, do you know where to get one of those? Because if you find that, post the link. I want one. And then that's how I know to jump in because I've found a gap that's not being serviced yet. And sure enough, if I can go in and I can get, you know, a congregation point of people with a few thousand members starting to talk about that and respond, that's just market validation in real time from the enthusiasts. And I always try to take the angle that if I can get enthusiasts talking to me, those are the people participating in the space or actively trying to solve their problem. Those are the people that are actively looking to buy something. 
So just by talking, I can test angles in real time and I can curate content to contribute to the space and look like I'm a hobbyist with them because the more I understand them, the better I'm gonna be able to develop anything. And if I do have a winning product, now I'll have ideas for horizontal scaling as well. Mm -hmm. talk, so to me about, talk to me about your horizontal scaling. You're doing brand after brand after brand, buying up the market with different brands. So there's, there's a couple of ways I think about horizontal scaling. If I have a hero product, yep. can I offer three or four accessories around that hero product to bump my AOV mm -hmm. within the same brand? If I'm servicing the same space, um, then you can take that one, one out, uh, one further out. And it's like, okay, I have this business moving. I see another, you know, opportunity in another space entirely. All right. Let's, let's say we go from you know, selling in, 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 you know, reptile pet, pet lovers to the beauty space, as example. For me, I only will take advantage of an opportunity if it fits my workflow. I know how I like to work. I have my system sorted out. So when another opportunity comes to me, it has to fit those systems. Because let's say as an example, I'm, I play an instrument. If I get really screaming good at playing the violin, and then I see, oh, well, I could make a lot more money in addition to that if I could also play the tuba. There's only so many instruments you're going to be able to play. So for me, if I play the violin, I'm not looking to play another instrument. I'm saying, okay, I can play the violin in this orchestra and that orchestra. Maybe I can get on board with the symphony over here. Maybe I can be part of that movie picture over there. And it's all the same system. It's just, it's, it, I think about it like uh, operating multiple uh, businesses like that, kind of like operating a doctor's office. Once you set up your, your team, the front desk lady is going to handle people coming in the same way. The nurses yeah. are going to handle people the same way. If it's, if it's like somebody that's like a, a knee specialist and, and they're dealing with, with people that have hurt <clears throat> knees, we know what they're coming in for. There's only a certain few ways you're going to service that. And they own that space. They're not trying to be like throat doctors. Yep. And so once you figure out, this is kind of how I like to groove here. Can you make that as efficient as possible and say, I see another opportunity when I get some more capital raised. I might jump on that. And it's not all about having them all spread out. For me, I, I get scared of scaling real, real, real big in one brand because I've been wiped out a couple of times. I mean, I'm, and I mean, completely wiped out. In, in what regard when you say wiped out? Almost homeless. From Amazon shutting you down? Or? No, from being overly aggressive and getting wiped out because I was inefficient in managing my cash flow. Over yeah. order inventory, get real aggressive with ads, and all of a sudden you go pop. Mm. You guys, I'm sure that, that people have had little moments like that, but you know, when you get going and you're inexperienced and things are looking a certain way and you try to go deep and it doesn't work out, well, right. what do you do? Mm -hmm. You get stuck. And so for me, I like to think about okay, I'm going to get going to a certain level here. And if I can open something else to parallel that, now I have built-in risk mitigation, same as having more than one product offering in a store. So yeah. that's, that's the idea. That's what I like to deal with. So if I'm going to spend $10,000 a day on ads, I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily want it all in one account because that becomes a lot to manage. I have to refresh my creatives more often, my audiences more often, my, my everything, right? And that's just, that's just one ad channel. That's just Facebook ads, right? And managing all of that becomes kind of a monster, what if I do that across three to five stores and I'm consistent and I have three to five product offerings per store that I can kind of dance that around? Well, even if two of my stores have a bad day and I have to shut it down early, 
I'm still okay. I'm still going to be net profitable pretty well for the day. Mm-hmm. And it, you, it takes a little longer. It takes a little more to plan all that out and see the opportunities, but it's the same workflow over and over again. Yep. So there do, you go. Do you do anything with, let's say you have a really good brand that's hitting, especially like on Amazon. Yeah. And one big, one big thing that I've always been a fan of is when you talk horizontal scaling is also horizontal scaling the brand. Yeah. Um, and to take up basically more real estate, you know, once you get a brand hitting, you basically duplicate that brand, give it a different brand name. It's the same yeah. product. It's just rebranded. So that way, and you can even price, price, price play, price one a little bit higher because as you know, people don't do their research, especially on Amazon. They'll just pay, you know, I used to way back when I would just get a feed from a provider, upload it, increase the prices by hundred percent. And I would sell products every single day, yep. jacking up prices, drop shipping. Do you do anything like that? And how successful is that when you start duplicating brands just to, to take up more space? I, I have done that only a couple of times. I don't have any personally of, of my own that I, that I do that with. Um, I've done it with other people's stuff. Um, but, but they were already, they were already doing mid seven figures on their way to eight figures and started getting the brand, giving it a slightly different name or just taking it to a different marketplace and raising the price. Like you said, <laughs> sure. And I think about that similarly to how, let's say we're doing well in the U S market. Yep. And then, we, then we scale it over to Europe and, and we, we, you know, deal with all of that. That's kind of, that's kind of how I think about all of that. Mm-hmm. I think about it no differently there. Now, as far as Amazon goes, Amazon, everybody has to realize people think Amazon and pardon me, I'm going to adjust my mic. Hold on one second. That way everybody can hear me better. Oh, that's a lot better. There we go. Yeah. There you go. So um, what you have to understand about Amazon, number one, you're not going to get much data back except for the data on the platform. Number two, it's extremely different than Facebook ads because Facebook ads were doing interruptive and behavioral marketing. With Amazon, it's more like Google. And I don't want you to think of Amazon as a marketplace. I want you to think of Amazon more as a search engine that only shows products. When, and this is where the psychology comes into Amazon. If we're still researching what we should do about our problem, we're going to Google because we still need answers in the form of content. If we're ready to buy something, we immediately go to Amazon because we know we can search something similar, but only products are going to come up. And that's when people are ready to buy. Mm-hmm. So I try, to, I try to find some of that phraseology and I'll, I'll run like Google shopping ads as an example to capitalize off of Amazon that way. Or I will set something up in one of my regular e-commerce stores and I'll, I'll run an on-page test on my product page and use some of that intent phraseology on the Amazon platform and up goes the conversion rate. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you can use the two back and forth. But if you understand Amazon is intent-based and it's almost like doing Google search ads, as that mindset evolves, that's, I mean, that's, really where you're going to do better there. If that makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. Okay. So, um, couple questions. We'll dive into Amazon a little bit now and then probably touch a little bit on behavior, behavior psychology a little more yep. and then jump over to Luke for creative two questions from Justin Blaze just to get these out. Um, are there any third tool parties for Amazon selling that you couldn't go without? Uh, I really, really like, a tool called PPC scope. 
Never heard of that one. Okay, so there's a guy named Brian R. Johnson. He's he's one of like the best in the world at Amazon PPC. Like he's doing Amazon PPC for Josh's snow brand. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that level of guy. Uh, he has a tool that makes it all much, much easier to deal with. It's kind of like all of us that want to see uh, a lot of our attribution and we'll jump on wicked reports or something like that. Or um, if we're trying to, here's one for you. If we're trying to get all of our metrics from, from different channels all in one place, we use Supermetrics plus Google Data Studio. It just makes the whole thing easier doing bulk edits and bulk uploads and bulk yep. bit adjustments and everything else like that. Much, much easier. Much, much easier. So I like PPC Scope. Um, the other one that I really, really like uh, is Keepa. I'm going to write these down so I can get some deals for these. K-E-E-P-A? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keepa's really, really good. Um, and it, it kind of shows you some pricing history when you're looking at competitors' products. What about Jungle Scout? Jungle Scout is okay. Jungle Scout is okay. Helium 10 is okay. Um, that's going to tell you some of the search volume for different phrases, different products. It's, it's going to pull data so you can kind of maybe make ideas about products. Now, for me, in the way that I go about it, the way I describe my, my product ideation, I don't really use them except for after I've already figured out a product idea. And oftentimes, if you have a product that's going to fill a gap in the market and you're already talking to the space, having those conversations, the data on a product like that won't be there. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep that in mind as well. Now, there's, there's something that can be said for me too type products. And if you see something in the data there, you're probably going to develop something pretty close to a me too product, unless you understand the audience. That's why I keep talking about how those two have to go back to back. Um, but yeah, as far as tools go, those are, those are pretty good. Uh, if I were going to use um, a data tool, I would use either jungle scout or helium 10. Um, I would also say if you're trying to run any version of extra marketing for the Amazon platform, you need to look into Zontracker. tracker. Very, very much so. You use that with no issues, never had problems. Um, I, I I use it and I don't have problems, but I also know that just like anything else that we use, it's only going to be so good because nothing is a hundred percent effective. Correct. Nothing is a hundred percent effective. So knowing that it, it allows me to at least have a direction that things are going. And when I, I look at that against say Amazon attribution. With some of the with some of the brands that I work with on Amazon, I can I can plug the gaps in the data. Now that all said, uh, because data is a big thing right now, on Amazon, off Amazon, regardless, I'm I'm working on uh, for all of my content stuff and and the advertising. I'm trying to dig through setting up uh, what is it first party cookies and. Uh, and server-side tagging with, with a uh, API. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's technical. It takes a minute to sort, sort out. Are you, I'm, I'm that with, are you, are you doing that through server-side, like through GTM, or are you just going to use an app? Yeah. For- no, I'm going to try to go straight through server-side with, with GTM. Got it. Look into, um, I think we're going to roll out a deal here pretty soon, but check out get Elevar. Yeah. Um, 
Hey, I don't know if you've heard of that one. I, I have. I've, I've, I've looked at some of their stuff. I've, I've not jumped on board yet. I'm reading a lot and have been reading a lot uh, for the last probably six, seven months. Um, I'm in, a, I'm in a, a, a forum where Simo Ahava is the guy's name. He's, he's, he's the guy for all of that kind of stuff, all the GTM attribution stuff. And mm-hmm. he, he's talked a bit about it here and there once we started getting word that all of that was rolling out. And so, I mean, I think there was a blog article of his that was posted here recently in AdLeaks. So hmm. I mean, I'm trying to, to sort out how to, how to close the gap there because it's not just my Facebook ads that I want attribution on. Yep. I want to be able to set it up for all the content I'm working on as well. Yep. What is your, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because yeah. it's been hit. What is your iOS 14? Worried, not worried? No, not worried. Okay. I'm not worried uh, one bit. Can, okay, so here's one more question about Amazon. Can you share a little bit on what's working for Amazon PPC? Is I know they've rolled out some new ad types. Like I've even tried running that remarketing stuff. Yeah. And it sucked. I didn't even get one sale. But yeah. what are the go-to ad types, go-to strategies for PPC on Amazon? So for Amazon PPC, you need to understand the differences in the match types, number one. And a lot of people don't think about that. People Mm -hmm. just want to go for volume, volume, volume. And that's not always the best thing to do because those are more broad match keywords. On the same coin, you don't always want to go for exact match either because then you're limiting yourself and it's going to get expensive pretty quick and you're not going to be profitable. So in understanding how the match types work, you can set up how I always go about it um, is I have two campaigns running. It's kind of like how we do with Facebook ads, honestly. We have our testing campaign where it's always testing new ideas. And then out of those winners, we have our scaling campaigns over here that we're actually putting money behind. But those are two separate wheels that are always going. And as these die off over here, I always have something else cooking to come back in. So it's a very, very similar process in that regard. It's just more keyword based. So I'll probably set up something. uh, I always almost always set up um, an auto campaign just to see what's going on. Uh, I'll always also set up um, phrase match campaigns and exact match, but exact match on long term or sorry, long tail keywords. Mm-hmm. And I'll use the phrase match campaigns to flush things out in the search term reports of other keywords I'm not trying yet. Yep. And so, so it's it's pretty basic stuff. Um, I know in the ad leaks vault we have Isaac Radansky's. Um, uh, Google search ads course now, mm-hmm. right? He yeah. talks, he t- and that's, it's basic stuff. And he talks a lot about the same kind of stuff. And guys, if you, if you want to go check that out, that's pretty close to how I would approach a lot of what I do on Amazon. You don't have to really dig into it too much. I know that they have the video ads now. I know that they have some of the retargeting. I haven't gone super deep on those. I haven't gone super deep on those. Um, I just keep it pretty basic with, you know, broad phrase and exact. And I have a workflow that allows me to go through the search term reports and figure out this is what I need to go back and test because I'm not doing all that yet. I'm actually getting sales on this one over here. Um, that's kind of an ancillary on one of my auto campaigns. Sure. And you can go through, um, I think Helium 10 uh, has a tool called Magnet where you can put in one of the Amazon ASINs and it will draw up all the keywords that that, that, that listing is showing for. 
and the various rankings and whatnot. And you can export a, you can export a report with that and chunk that up into different testing campaigns. Does it give you the time frame and like spend on that as well? I, I don't remember. I don't think so. I haven't, I haven't used Magnet in a minute, but I know that's a good tool for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. as far as getting the keywords actually attached to an ASIN uh, that you're trying to compete against or outrank. It will also tell you uh, the sales velocity that the ASIN in question uh, is achieving. So on Amazon, it's, it's one of those deals that sales velocity is kind of king, your sales velocity and your conversion rate. If you want page one, you have to sell more of your item than the people that are on page one and you have to convert more. I other, guess. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. The other thing on Amazon, and I would parallel that with all of our e-commerce efforts that not enough people pay attention to is on-page conversion rate optimization. Everybody wants to go traffic, 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 but I'm like, you can very quickly boost that conversion rate optimization and become way, way more profitable with the traffic you're already driving. And talk to me about that. How do you do that? Obviously, I think you have to have brand, brand, the, you know, trademark set up, right? Brand registry. No, I'm not, not even that deep. Not even that deep. I'm talking about actually paying attention to your conversion rate, your click-through rate, all that kind of stuff on page and saying, okay, as example, if you guys go to almost any Amazon listing, what do the bullets say? It's usually this big wall of text. It's usually what it is. And you're going to have features of the product. Here's what it has. Here's what it has. Here's what it has. Very few products speak the customer's language because they're trying to keyword stuff their listings. But the, the listings that convert way, way more, and I'm talking like 25, 30% in some categories, right? Mm-hmm. They'll say, here's what it has. And here's why it's important. So we always talk about selling the benefit, right? They actually attach it and say, hey, here's what this feature has. Like if we're selling, if we're selling um, a supplement of some variety, you know, we're, we're saying maybe it's a sleep aid supplement. Um, all natural valerian root extract. Okay. People will say that, but they never follow up on the listing with why that matters to the end user. And when you start putting a little bit of that in there, as, as example, you convert way, way more. Just like, just like the headings on Amazon. If you go and look almost any category on the headings, it's all keyword stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, if I don't understand what I'm looking at and what I'm trying to buy, yikes, how am I going to click through that? It, I don't want to deal with that. Isn't there a tool, if not, <coughs> excuse me, I read once and I can't remember if I'm just dreaming or not, but isn't there a tool where you can do like AB page testing on Amazon? There is, and the tool's called Splitly. So I think it's split.ly and you can do AB testing on Amazon like that. So that's what I thought. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. I think we have huh. another question about Amazon from Nicola in the comments. Yes. Uh, and then I had a question as well. Um, his question is basically been selling on for a year. He wants to expand other markets, but how to do that with tax regulations, et cetera. Okay. Um, number one, if you're on Amazon and you want to find out about uh, getting help with taxes in other markets, look up a site called Avalara, A-V-A-L-A-R-A. And they help Amazon sellers deal with taxes uh, in various regions. So let's say you're selling well in the US and you want to go to the UK uh, as, as the next market, but you're having to deal with import fees and VAT and all of that kind of stuff. Cool. 
figure out how to get set up over there. Avalara, the folks over there will, will probably have some walkthroughs and, and calculators and whatnot to be able to help you. Then you can take a bit of your extra inventory and send it over there and get that wheel turning. Now, different markets sometimes have different keywords and different listing uh, phraseology that will get better traction. So some of the things you're doing in the US market to convert and get people to, to be profitable on your ads are probably gonna be slightly different in some of those other markets. So just pay attention to that. Always go back through the process of setting up an, a, a new listing and treat it like a new listing. Mm -hmm. So I get this question all the time from a buddy of mine. Um, he actually rents my Amazon store. Mm -hmm. um, why would I wanna run ads when I already have the buy box? Why would you want to run ads when you already have the buy box? Okay. If you have the buy box 97% of the time, you're winning buy box 97% of the time. It's totally fine. Understanding is in order for your ad to show with ads, you have to have the buy box. So if he already has the buy box, why run ads? Um, because you're taking up defense space. All of the ads around the listing, be they in the header, could be you know, below the listing in other spaces. I know people that will bid on an ASIN with every single one of their product variations. And we all know from basic conversion rate optimization practices that if I'm given other options on a product page, I might click away. So how much is he losing to people clicking away to other products that are shown as advertisements on his page? And so that's why I would always say at the very least advertise against your own brand and advertise some of your variations. If you're in a super competitive market, it's not going to hurt you to advertise against your own ASINs with your variations or with a separate product or an accessory product. If you have accessories, you know, if they say you have four or five accessories around your big hero product and they see that down below and they like your product, they're going to click add to cart. They're going to click on the one below it. And now you got a higher AOV. But if you're not there and somebody else is, mm, something about it may take the business from you. <laughs> so that's a simple reason there. Got it. Let's get into content uh, monetization. Um, I want to spend a pretty good chunk of time on that. We got about 25 minutes left. We have a hard stop at uh, top of the hour. So Luke's going to kind of dive in and kind of go through that, uh, dig into your strategies, what's working, what's not. Got it. Yeah, we can just start there, kind of go into your strategies if you want a 30,000 foot view perspective of it. Okay, got it. The 30,000 foot view perspective is conversations drive conversions. Simple as that. Putting out content for the sake of content isn't going to guarantee that people are going to come to you. Now, from a psychology standpoint, we only go on the internet for four reasons. We have problems that we're trying to overcome, roadblocks we're trying to overcome, questions we're trying to get answered, and we have a result that we're seeking. We just don't, we just don't know what's going to deliver that result that, right? So let's say, um, let's say I have a hurt knee. Okay. Well, I'm probably going to try to figure out, okay, what's really wrong with my knee and the solution. Do I need to go see a doctor? Do I need to get a knee brace? Do I need to rest? Do I need to get an ice pad? Do I need to get a heating pad? Do I need to take a supplement? Do I need to change my workout? Okay, well, all of those answers are out there. Why aren't they getting their answers from me? 
And so what I'll do is I'll take the main keywords in a space and I'll go through places like Quora. I'll go through Answer the Public. I'll go through the Facebook groups and I'll try to find what questions people are asking. And then you can go to a place like Keywords Everywhere and use a little bit of a longer tail. Go to uh, Google uh, Keyword Planner. They don't have to be crazy long questions. And you can actually see what's up. If you have the Keywords Everywhere um, extension and you go to answer the public and, and you put in a keyword and you get the big wheel of all the questions people are asking, you can click on any one of those. It'll take you to a Google search window and it will show the volume for that phrase. So if you really want to go deep and you're like, okay, people really want to know about this topic. Okay, well, what are the top four or five questions they're asking about it around that idea? And what are the top 10 sites that they're viewing as they ask that kind of question? Cool, now I have 50 sources to figure out, okay, what are they saying about it? What user experience are they giving to answer this problem? What, how, what, are, what are they suggesting? And now I can curate some of those ideas, maybe present it very differently, right? Maybe I can make a better user experience. Maybe I can make it easier to understand or take it to a different medium entirely. Maybe all of those answers are only in blog form. Well, hell, if I can take that and make a YouTube video on it, well, guess what? People can listen to that and then they can click on the link and go to my stuff, right? The other thing is I have a, a spreadsheet that I keep. And when I come up with an idea, you can have your basic stuff. Like I'm gonna make it Instagram posts or I'm going to make a blog post or I'm gonna make a Facebook post or I'm gonna put this in a group. I have 85 different ways to juice it up and fatten it up and give, an exam and, and give examples on how to present the content differently. Things like instead of, of, of just writing a blog article about it, get an expert to come and do a live stream with you as example, like we're doing, like, like we're doing right now, like we do all, all the time in here, right? Can we get that? Can I say, hey, I'm going to interview the top five people around this little idea top five people I can find, even if, even if they're, 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 they're not super well-known, right? If I have a sleep supplement I'm trying to sell, can I interview um, five sleep specialist type doctors? Sure. Can I, get, can, I, can I get some of their take? Here's top five questions and here's what they all say. It's an expert roundup. Here's a listicle I can deal with. Here's an infographic. Here's a bunch of different ways I can present all of this that's going to be very, very different and better as a user experience. So the content should be easier to consume and function as an attention capture device. Because if I can get them into my ecosystem well before I'm even making them a product offer, well, I think about it like this. I put it out there, there's a door. If they click through it, they're in my house. If they hit my house, depending on where they end up, I'm gonna hit them with another advertisement or hit them with a follow-up something, right? If they view an important part of my, of my site or they come back more than once, you're getting hit with a product offer as a follow-up. Pretty straightforward, right? If you don't, you just hang out on that page. Well, what's, what's stopping me from making another ad with a follow-up article to get them back in and just say, okay, this small audience that's running through here the last 14 days, hit them with a follow-up offer if they don't also go over here. It's just using your exclusions to segment people out. It's pretty straightforward. But now you think about it. If I have a Facebook group of enthusiasts that are talking to me and I can build that up, right? 
and I can get people moving on a page. There's a formula that I, that I kind of stick by and follow to where you can still get some monster engagement and monster reach. And people don't realize that they can still do it all on a Facebook page. I have uh, a page that, I was, that, that, that I've been working with and they have about 17,000 followers. And they sent me a screenshot, right? And between February and March, they hit like 1.6 million impressions as a reach and a little over 1.3 million engagements on their, on their, their content and posts. I'm like, okay, clearly it's working. Everyone yeah. would love that. And think about it. If I can get all that going, what's that going to do for my ad account? How many audiences could I make from that interaction? Yeah, That's the idea. And people don't want to take the time to have those conversations, but in those conversations, I'm letting people know there's, there's a person behind the company. I can make offers to that captive group. I can ask all kinds of questions and test my copy angles just in conversations. I can say, hey, this post is getting a lot more engagement on this topic. This must be something that people value. Let me test that out. So I'm letting my audience do all of the work for me to come up with all the ideation for all of the advertising. Because your advertising is just an amplifier to a message that already resonated with your audience. Mm. And so I'm like, hey, if I can talk to them and I can connect with a message and I can see what really works, well, now I, now I know what to put money behind or at least take as an angle because that's what they value. And you can read all of that in just the different groups. You don't even have to run your own group to do that. And now think about it. If I can post that on a Facebook page or a Facebook group, well, can I make a video out of that same exact thing? And now it's on, and now it's on YouTube. I'm serving a different audience. Can I export the audio just from that? And, and Luke, you're a fellow film geek guy. I can export just the audio from that. Now I got a podcast. Mm -hmm. Done. Easy. Yeah. And so when, when it comes when it comes to that strategy, um, kind of go over your like tangible strategy of because yeah. you you went over the thirty thousand foot view. So I think people would want to hear um, what you do with that and how you clip things up. Do you have a team of people doing it for you? What do you suggest? I, I do have I do have a little bit of help now. Um, so, so what I do is I have figured out what I do best and what I do best is write. That's just it's a fish swims. I, I write, I can't make graphics for anything. It's terrible. Like mm -hmm. it's horrible. So I have people that help me with all of that, but what I'll do is we have a workflow and I already have templated design requests and a brand palette and all of that kind of thing. So no matter what platform I go to, I can say, Hey, um, we're going to run a seasonal campaign, say for Mother's Day. We're going to hit YouTube. We're going to hit email. We're going to have these many articles, blah, blah, blah. Here's the list of creative assets I need. Here's kind of the direction I'm thinking. Here's the brand palette. Get moving on that. I'm going to start writing. Simple as that. And that way yeah. it's, it's divide and conquer, but I'm not distracted trying to manage it all. Now, mm -hmm. how, how, how I go about all of this. Okay. Here we go. And I've actually, for those of you that, that want to look at it, if you look up the, the, the words tiger hunting and search that here in the AdLinks group, Justin remembers that. I actually went over a bit of this before and I actually have used this over and over and over again. And it's quite ridiculous. So anyway, I'll take um, an article or an idea, right? And I'll hammer it out. Maybe I have 10 to 15 talking points, right? Okay. So I have an article, 10 to 15 talking points, boom, done. It's an article. 
can I, can I chop that up and make it a series of videos? Can I make it a long form video? Can I post that on YouTube and Instagram TV? Can I say, here's an overview video. Here's just the 15 points, make it shortened, right? Can I post that maybe on, on, on Facebook? Can, um, can I delay and post that on Instagram later when I have new audience rolling through that segment that would be interested in that? Can I then say, okay, I'm going to take each bullet point that I talked about for two or three sentences and expand on all of that. Now those are, are additional videos. Can I group them into fives, part one, part two, part three, and relate them to something else? Well, there's another you know, bit of video based on that original article. Can I take all of that same idea, segment it up, make it a series of Facebook posts, put a picture behind it, put it on Instagram, recycle that three months later into different Instagram posts. So it just, it, 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 it webs itself out to where all of the sudden, you know, if I do that 10 to 15 times, I have thousands of pieces of content floating around the internet in all these different spaces. Now we have specialists that can say, okay, if you want to run a blog, how do we search engine optimize, blah, 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 blah. There's a workflow for that. Same thing with YouTube. You gotta, you gotta get everything right. And there's tools we can do with that. Um, but if I'm running it, say on Facebook as example, because that's you know nearer and dearer to everybody here in AdLeaks, okay, well, if I'm posting that to my page and I have all that engagement and I'm kind of seeing what's going on and I can have the analytics behind that, well, all that's telling me is, hey, use this angle on your landers. Here's what people are looking for as a benefit they want to be sold. Put some money behind it, let's go. And so what I'll do is, I'll say, okay, here's the content ideas that are going to roll out. I have an editorial calendar that I use um, and I have it all sorted out into different stages and whatnot. Um, but then I'll also say, um, oh crap, I just looked over here at my editorial calendar, lost my train of thought. Was I talking about editorial calendar? I hate it when that yep. happens. I'm so sorry. No, it's um, fine, man. Yeah, you're talking about, you're just breaking it down. Yeah, so I will. I will say, okay, if I'm getting ready to run advertising, how many people in the group are agency owners and like just do this when they're talking on the phone with their clients, trying to come up with different angles and different copy and different creatives and blah, blah, blah. Well, for me, I'm going to say, okay, here's the idea for the angle. Can I write 50 different headlines on that and just have it as a repository? Can I write a body as bullets so that they don't have to actually read the ad. They can just kind of quickly scan and see if it's for them. Can I convey the message versus making a point? And then I have the same thing for my calls to action. Beyond that, I'll make my design requests for the, for the various creatives that I want to use for advertising. And then it's just a matter of testing the combinations against different audiences. So everything is already out. I like to think about it like I'm cooking. I put all the ingredients out in front of me and then I just play connector. And that way we can quickly see what works and what doesn't. Um, and as example, hold on. As example, um, I have a spreadsheet and I'll, I'll share it to the group here when, when we're done uh, that I just made. And it's every audience that you could generate based on Facebook page or Instagram page engagement and the normal stuff like purchases and add to carts and all that kind of thing. And I have it broken down into time windows, one day, three days, seven day, blah, 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 blah. Right. There's like 700 different combinations you could look through and test. 
but you're not going to be able to do a lot of that un unless you actually have anything going on page. And so that's, that's one of the things I think about. I, I think a lot of people, they want to do interest-based testing and behavioral testing or look-alike audience testing. And they want to uh, say, okay, we're going to just run broad. We have enough data coming in, you know, have a pretty, have a pretty healthy ad account here. Things are moving. We're going to go broad here and, uh, you know, run big CBO campaigns. And it works. It works because you have enough data to do it. But if you also could tap in to people that are engaging, mm -hmm, that could be really, really cool. Because let's say I have some content rolling out and I'm going to run a heavy offer every six weeks just on my page, Right wouldn't it also be pretty easy to ramp up engagement before I know that content offer is coming on the page? So I, 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 game, I game the engagement on the page there. Then can I also launch campaigns that say, hey, anybody within the last seven days that's engaged with the page, hit them with a product offer. So it starts, it starts following them around. It's an easier way to do it with a warm audience and you convert way, way better. So all I, all I think about for content, it's pretty straightforward. Do I know what questions they're asking? Put your keyword into answerthepublic.com, put into Quora, and you'll see all the questions. And depending on the search volume or the comments and responses, you can say, hey, I should probably find a way to answer that question on my own site because if they're going to get it anywhere, they may as well get it from me. Pretty straightforward. And so before you know it, if you do that in a consistent way, you have some pretty healthy groups going. You have some pretty healthy pages going. You have a captive audience who knows you, who you've developed a relationship with, who trusts that you understand what they're looking for and they know you and they feel like you're going to have their best interest at heart. And on top of that, if you give them things that solve their problems where they don't have to look anymore, if you give them things to save them time, if you take some of the myth and mystery out of what they're trying to solve and move them to the next stage, well, you've given them something of value. That's what value is. You are solving their problem questions or roadblocks. And if you give them something valuable like that, before you make an offer, you put them in a position of forced situational obligation. They owe you a favor. Right. So if you 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 uh, have ever looked into what's called the law of reciprocity. Right. That's how that works. So by congregating people around the content I'm putting out just by talking to them as fans in a space. Just trying to perpetuate them moving forward or helping them solve their problems. If it's a problem based thing I'm trying to solve. I get them talking to me. And then you can make offers and follow them around with ads or send them to landers or send them to your site or blah, 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 blah. Versus only being able to touch them with ads. That, that, that scares me because I'm always gambling and trying to see, does this angle work? Does that angle work? And if you guys are dealing with clients, most people that have an online store do not even take time to understand their customers. Not, not even a little bit. And so I can't even imagine it. All the, all the agency guys in here saying, we got to test a new angle or we got to test a new audience. It's like, with, with what? If that were me, and this is part of the reason I don't, I don't do client work. If it were me, you get one price. If you can come to me and say, this is what my audience is. This is the avatar. Here's the angles that, that we're already thinking about. If you can't do that, 
there's an extra setup fee because now I have to go into my copywriter mode and research your space and know them better than they do. Because advertising is just taking a message that someone resonates with and putting money behind it so we get a larger distribution. Simple as that. It's an easy way to think about it. But if I don't understand what they're talking about in the language that they are using, yikes, that's not a game I'm willing to play. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that can wrap up the content segment. Justin, yeah, what, if you have. Let's um, <clears throat> give me, we got about seven, eight minutes left. Uh, give me the most mind blowing thing right now that's been working for you that you just, your biggest, deepest, darkest secret. I want to pry it out of that big oh. part of yours. What What's right now is just absolutely crushing it for you. Okay, here you go. Uh, product launches, uh, product launches, doing that the right way. Uh, so here's what I want you to think about. I'm going to talk about three different things in a very short period of time. Number tell one, me the right way. What is the right way? In the old, in the old direct mail days, you would get a, a, a multi-page book, so to speak. And that was actually a sales letter. And you could buy the bigger thing at the end of the book. Sure. What that developed into in our digital age is the super long form uh, you know, scroll forever type, you know, click funnels, original landers, right? Then it developed into a multi-day email drip sequence. You're just chopping it down into bite sizes. Instead, if I can sort out something that people are really looking to develop and give them a written out clear templated path to help answer some of those questions and charge them a small fee, like a challenge, I'm getting them to participate in the sales letter process. Those are hysterical because let's say you get a hundred people to opt in and it's pre-recorded content. You're just guiding a private group that you join, you know, have them all join for say five or 10 days. You archive the group at the end. So they have the material, but you don't have to talk to anybody. At the end of that, you make an offer for your product or your bigger thing or whatever it's going to be. And you get like a 20 plus percent conversion rate on those people. You can run that all the time and only make it once. It's so much easier. It's so much easier. The other thing that has been talked about before that is a deep, dark secret is if you're on Shopify and you're not using the Bonjoro app, go get a job at McDonald's. I mean, if you're not sending thank you videos and then upsells after those thank you videos, go serve coffee somewhere. It's such a no brainer. So- yeah, it's, it's so preposterous because if you sell on Shopify and you send that 30 second thank you video and you have the tiniest little space where everybody's talking about all of that, that you can bring them to and they can still talk to your team. When you send them the upsell email 10 days later, if you do that properly, you're going to get a 30 to 40% uptake on your upsells. Some brands are crazy about that though. That's why we can't do it with some of the brands. It doesn't make any sense, but it's their yeah. brand, no, their level of brand, you. you know. No, oh yeah, some some of those big monsters, it it'd be too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you're unless you're some, you know, deep eight figure monster, take the time. Even if you're just hitting fifty people a day, those fifty people become brand advocates. Even if you're doing other things with upsells, it's twenty five minutes of thirty second videos. You can divide that up amongst five people. Five five minutes of their day. Here you go. It is the most silly app for customer retention. And that's something I don't think enough people think about and talk about 
is we say, here's my traffic strategies and here's how this is working. And we have the sneak attack and we have the sniper and we have all this cool stuff. And here's how I'm optimizing on page. And we got VWO going or Google optimize or we're split testing this. And it's kick ass. They're a bunch of monsters in this group, but who's going real deep and being obsessed about customer retention. Can we get those conversations going? If you do that and you make an effort, it's pretty straightforward. You just have to keep answering their questions. And if they're not going to buy from you again, they'll help find people that will buy from you. Yeah. And as an example, running a group with no ads, I have multiple groups that, 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 that I run. It, you, you, you pull well over six figures a year just from the groups. No ads at all. Just because you keep them moving, keep them engaged. Like, it, what are we doing here? And then they, they, they populate all of your other audiences. So just, uh, just, you know, how I feel about it. Yeah. You said one thing just real quick. Have you tested single opt-in versus, there was actually a really good thread about this in our email marketing group, single yeah. opt-in versus double opt-in. I've always done double. So have I. I've always, I've always done double. And the other thing that I'll do is I, I kind of go a step further to keep my list rather clean from the beginning. If I send you the first email and you don't open, you don't make it to the master list. Yeah. So if you, if you double opt in and you get the first email, but you don't open it, you fall off. I would think about expanding that out a little bit though, because sometimes you don't hit the inbox every time either. You don't get a hundred percent. Some, sometimes we're not like the first three, but if you're not interested, go away. Yeah, correct. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so I have just that conditional trigger set up. Say if, you know, if they open <laughs> Move them over to this list. That's the major list we're going to run with the bigger flows. Yep. Makes yeah. sense. Well, yeah. buddy, I appreciate it. It's always good. Um, bring a wealth of knowledge. Uh, Glad someday when I can get out of this godforsaken house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. All of us. All of us. All of us, man. We can all travel and, and be around each other again. And I will, I will post a few of the things that I use for content and a few ideas and whatnot as resources to follow the podcast for everybody. Cool. So that you guys can use that. And uh, if I need to make a video explainer of some of the stuff that I have going on, I'll, I'll do that too. I'll just take a look. Do you at have any, do you have any courses? Ages, like full courses? Um, I have, gosh. One part okay. one, right? You have your content course. Yeah. So I have, I have something that I call the unstoppable marketing masterclass. And basically it's, it's content marketing for audience building. It's step-by-step. Step. Here's the psychology behind buyer avatars. Here's all of the copywriting that goes into it. Here's how you run a group. Here's how you set up the content and then recycle it as a pile. It's all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's not for everybody. You know, I, I talk about advertising and all that kind of thing, um, but it's a thick, thick program. I have it set up into like multiple sections. Um, and right now I have over like 80 hours of material in it. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, I'd be able yeah. to find that. Uh, go to your browser and don't type in anything else, but seller.school. It'll take you straight there. Okay, cool. That's all it is. Um, and if anybody has questions about anything that we talked about today or any part of that, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help. Content is, is an extra thing. Um, it's a longer game, I will say, but the retention and, and what you get for it that really, really helps your advertising. I mean, even at the level of just bringing down your CPMs on page, it really, really has, has, has worked out and been worth it for me for a long, long time now. Yep. A long, long time. So. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate it. 
Thank you, everyone. Um, we will put out some more info on the next podcast. I think we do we have one set up yet, Luke? Jack Paxton, end of April. And then we have one with Jason Falls, um, who wrote a book on called Windfluencer. Okay. Yep. So we'll get the dates out uh, for those. Uh, usually we're trying to give about a seven day notice. So um, I appreciate everyone. Thank you. All right, Stephen. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See you guys yeah. later. I later will guys. talk.